Welcome, everyone. Lee Henson Hasty here. Um, I am the uh, Senior Director of Theological Education Funds Development at the Presbyterian Foundation. I'm here with my new friend, the Reverend Melanie C. Jones, uh, the Director of the Center for Womenist Leadership at Union Presbyterian Seminary. That's the Katie Geneva Cannon Center for Womenist Leadership. Um, we're here to talk about womanist leadership today. Uh, on Leading Theologically. Thanks for being here and uh, everyone who's here, but especially you, Reverend Jones, thank you for making the time on Ash Wednesday, no less, um, mm -hmm. to, to join us. And I uh, appreciate your, your presence. Excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Good, 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 good. Um, friends, we're going to post um, uh, Melanie's uh, links to her bio at Union Presbyterian Seminary, as well as her website, um, in, in the chat, and I hope you'll go see that. So it's uh, upsim.edu is where you will find, find her, and you will also uh, can find her at revmelanie.com. Um, super fun pictures, by the way, on your website. <laughs> I love those. Um, Melanie is a womanist ethicist, a millennial preacher, intellectual activist, um, she joined uh, the faculty at Union in 2018 uh, or in, in 2019, and she um, has served um, at the Seminary of the Southwest uh, as a visiting professor in Austin, Texas, a lecturer at Bright Divinity School, uh, American Baptist College in Nashville, Chicago Theological Seminary, and the Illinois Institute of Technology. Um, she is a graduate of Howard uh, University, Vanderbilt Divinity, Go Vanderbilt, um, uh, Emily Towns, a shout out, a little shout out to Emily Towns and Stacey Floyd Thomas and Laura Heifetz and lots of other great people, uh, Jim Hudnut Bumler, uh, and a PhD candidate at Chicago Theological Seminary. Who are you working with at Chicago Theological Joanne Seminary? Joanne Marie, Dr. Joanne Marie Terrell. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. Wow, wow, wow. So mm -hmm. we'll look forward uh, to hearing more, but she's already an author, a speaker. Um, if uh, actually recently, just two weeks ago, this is out. It's a it's a edited volume edited by Stacy Floyd Thomas um, on religion, race, and COVID nineteen confronting white supremacy and the pandemic. Please go and buy that now. You'll be early on. Uh, uh, Reverend Jones's contribution is who's saving whom? Question mark. Black Millennials and the Revivication of Religious Communities. Mm -hmm. um, I'll be buying a copy um, very soon. And and thanks for all that. But there's, there's also other publications, the Lemonade Reader, the Unraveling and Reweaving of sac the Sacred Canon and Africana Womanhood, uh, Contributions to uh, Black Theology and the uh, Black Theology International Journal, um, just Kendrick Lamar and the Making of Black Meaning. There's just wonderful things you're writing already, even uh, before that PhD gets granted. And um, and you're already doing wonderful leadership um, at the Katie Geneva Cannon uh, Center for Womenist Leadership. Um, why don't you uh, tell us first, before we jump into all of that, uh, what is, this is Katie Geneva's Cannon's question um, that she, she asked um, when she asked about call and you, and you may even know other questions she asked and she may even ask you this one what is the work your soul must have and i'll just add what is it it must have today 
Yeah, yeah. Well, I just wanted to say again that I am so happy to be invited to be a part of this series on leading theologically, um, both as a representative of the Katie Geneva Cannon Center for Womanist Leadership, but also because I think this conversation is so important and I'm so excited to be a part of this series. This is an excellent question that comes from the Womanist Canon. I think Alice Walker is the first who talked about doing the work your soul must have that became some of a womanist adage uh, that we know Dr. Cannon talked about a lot and mm-hmm. often asked uh, us to think. She said that her ministry teaching was her ministry mm-hmm. and that it was, she said, a call to teach was like fire in her bones. And uh, that was a part of everyone finding what they are called to do in life. And that is doing the work your soul must have. Mm-hmm. So. In response to this question, I absolutely think that what I do is connected to who I am. So Mm. you already named that womanist ethicist, millennial preacher, intellectual activist. And what I mean by that is I am seriously taking uh, the moral formation of black women at the center of my work. That is. Uh, both kind of trailing and narrating ways in which Black women have experienced oppression that is multidimensional, that is intersectional, but also the liberative pathways that they take and continue to take to dismantle those forces and structures of oppression. So uh, I see uh, my work as uh, both or or actually tri-dimensional in many ways. Dr. Cannon talked about it um, in relation from gown and town. Um, but I think about this as a real, I have my foot really in the academy as obviously a trained womanist ethicist in the church. I am a third generation Baptist preacher. Uh, so it's in my blood in that way, but a real deep commitment to how our local congregations as well as denominations assemblies are really living into the call of justice, not just in word, but also in deed. And Mm -hmm. then I am an activist. I am a millennial born and bred. I am a contemporary um, of this kind of Black Lives Matter movement, Me Too movement, who are asking serious questions about how uh, generationally these questions might look different, especially in relation to faith how we might be asking new questions to our faith communities um, at this, what I call a seismic shift coming uh, at the center of COVID-19 at in the middle of numerous crisis, crises across our globe. I think the church is really called to a new horizon and I hope uh, to help not only uh, scholars, not only practitioners, but also everyday folk live into that call for sure. Wow. <laughs> um, tri-dimensional. I, lo- I like the tri-dimensional. That's almost tr- Trinitarian um, and, and what you're doing there. And um, tell, say just a little bit more about the seismic shift that you think mm-hmm. is happening, because um, that almost feels like the ground moving underneath us. Uh, uh, it feels like an earthquake. And, and I think everybody feels that. Um, and, and what a, I think a, an apt topic for the first, the opening day of Lent, uh, to think about what's shifting and, and what, what that means for our shifting, I'm, sh- I'm sure, and how we, how we respond. And um, I appreciate you bringing together uh, the Me Too movement and Black Lives Mo- Matters movement, because 
uh, from a faith perspective, because those are probably the two largest movements happening around us and moving in positive directions, but calling us to account, you know, to repent too as well. Right. Mm -hmm. So um, what is it shifting? Do you think? Yeah, I, Walter Fluker wrote a book uh, a few years ago called The Ground is Shifted in relation to the Black church and really addressing uh, some of these questions of uh, ways that the Black church was very participatory in our justice movements. We might think of the civil rights movement in particular as really a Black church-centered movement. Um, and as we look in a more contemporary time, it's not so much that the church isn't a part of today's justice movements, but rather uh, justice seekers and activists are forming and organizing sometimes outside of the church in order to ask, again, new questions, um, or even if they're not new questions, certainly questions that need to be reckoned with in a contemporary moment that the church has been either reluctant to ask or answer or, or just simply has not felt, uh, has ignored these questions. And so in that way, when I talk about a seismic shift, I think that a COVID-19, and this is in relation to this you know, article that was recently published that you mentioned, a COVID-19 uh, placed a black light, uh, I think, in many ways under uh, mm. the kind of uh, ways in which we think about connectivity in terms of how we gather, how we worship, right? The, the way in which we connect uh, has shifted. So that means platforms from not just in-person gathering to uh, new ways of thinking about online worship as something that is central to our work. It's not going away. You know, there was a time right pre-COVID and even at the early part of COVID, we're like two weeks. We have just two weeks to meet on Zoom and then we'll be doing some other form of gathering. But no, this is really the way forward, right? So how do we begin to redefine discipleship and redefine uh, questions about, again, connection and gathering and rethink our liturgies in light of this, right? So I think that that is one that we know, but also I think in terms of this kind of justice seeking, Part of what uh, some of these justice movements are asking us as the church is, uh, if you were really called to the work of justice, as you say, if Jesus was this uh, rabble rouser, this justice seeker that we proclaim, right? And we're, I mean, this is so fitting right now in the Lenten season as we began to take notes and take thought, right, of this kind of journey to the cross in many ways. Um, there is not only some repentance that needs to be done in terms of repairing the damages, right? But there, there is also this sense that uh, we can no longer just say that we believe in this <laughs> Jesus who cares about the oppressed, right? And not also employ practices that also model, right? Mm. Christ-like behavior and practice in our in our in our churches. And so the, the call is a kind of, I think, justice activists often uh, who are very spiritual and who are, I believe, uh, some kind of revelation of the church in the world for the church in and of itself, mm -hmm. calling and pushing and calling out some of our own hypocrisy and ways in which right our alignment with our thinking, being, and doing some, somehow has found some dissonance in many ways. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Wow. Uh, yeah, dissonance. I want to go back to, a, I, I want to, I heard something in something you said that really, uh, 
piqued my interest and it was uh this idea of shining a black light <laughs> i don't know if you if that's something you talk about i i wore my purple tie um for for womanism i'm you know the color purple and you got purple there behind you black lights make things show up kind of purple <laughs> i want to say and and that seems like an interesting way to think about it. it's not a spotlight it's a black light and it's what kind of you know would show up things show up differently when you shine a black light mm -hmm. um it seems to me is it was did I catch something that's that, that, you're right there? Um, I don't know what it is. I know there's something there, Melanie. There's something there. So, so uh, at the height of 2020, we have not only uh, Black Lives Matter in its almost tenth year, uh, close to its tenth year, really becoming and forming for us one of the largest social movements that we've seen, not only in Black liberation history, but in American history, right? Which is mm -hmm. just magnanimous in and of itself. So we have COVID-19, as uh, Dr. Stacey Foy Thomas says in that book, Religion, Race, and COVID-19, we have COVID-19, COVID-1619, which is a recognition that uh, particularly in the context of U.S. American racism, that Black people in particular have endured more than 400 years, right, of uh, realities from uh, chattel slavery to segregation to uh, enduring quests and questions and problems and challenges of mass incarceration and so forth. And uh, the uh, killing of George Floyd and the killing right. of Breonna Taylor right there in 2020 and the killing of numerous Black trans per persons, it, it is a reminder that we are in a series of multiple pandemics, right? Mm -hmm. um, and then uh, Stacey Foy Thomas also talks about COVID-45 um, um, and she's pointing to mm -hmm. a kind of uh, a, a challenge with governmental leadership that, that we've seen as a result of really ignoring some of these crises early on, really ignoring COVID-19 and COVID-16-19 that is resulting in just poor leadership and poor governance. So in the middle of all of this, right, these are multiple pandemics at work and uh, that hit us on all sides from medical to economic, from economic to uh, uh, questions of housing, uh, to questions of care, but also these are deep, theological and faith questions like, you know, what does it mean for us to uh, hold space with one another, even in the midst of a, a virus, right, that is deadly and lethal? What does it mean for us to be concerned about uh, the persons who are made in the image of God who may or may not look like us. And then even, you know, this question of what does it mean to uh, be good stewards of what God has given us? All of those questions are theological questions that are at the forefront of what we're enduring and experiencing right now. And it's 2022 and we're still <laughs> in COVID-19. Right. We're still in these pandemics. So this tells us that this reckoning is not something that is temporal. Um, in many ways, it is it is persistent. It is questions that we need to continue to ask and answer, and uh, it, it will alter radically alter the way in which we do church and faith and theologize from this point forward. We ought not be the same. Uh, so, when, yeah, yeah. Let's talk yeah. about so. Let's back up for some folks. They may not know about womanist and know mm -hmm. about um, where that comes from. And what that kind of methodology mm -hmm. um, could bring to light in these 
crises that you're naming. I mean, I mean, I understand you're using your methodology to name these things, but maybe help our audience understand <coughs> about what it means to be a womanist. Mm -hmm. And and I, let me add to that question. Um, recently, wonderful conversations with Yolanda Norton. Like, as a white man, I can't be a womanist, but I can use some of the some of the methodologies within within the womanist tradition. Um, and I think that's what a lot of our guests will be looking for too. So tell us about just back up and talk to us about being womanist, and then uh, and then maybe we'll move into being a womanist leader. <laughs> yeah, I think for those who've never heard of <laughs> womanist before, it is a term that comes out of Black Southern colloquial expression from uh, from the South that is often being used as a way for mothers to talk to sometimes their girl children or aunties, aunts, uh, to talk to their girl children as an exchange to say you act in womanish, right. responsible, grown, serious. Uh, from that kind of culture or folk tradition in many ways, Alice Walker in her uh, text In Search of Our Mother's Gardens in 1983, she wrote a, a bit of a definition for us about what the term womanist was that kind of delineate that term, that Southern folk term into four uh, different expressions. And from that, uh, we said that womanism is a growing field of study uh, that has been around in religious disciplines for more than 30 years now. It is also a prophetic social movement that mm. takes seriously, right, uh, the liberation and survival of Black women while also advocating against all other forms of oppression. So in this sense, a womanism is concerned with, yes, the experiences, uh, the, the, the challenges, the survival, again, liberation of Black women at its center, but it wants to do this in a way that dismantles oppression for all of us. And so for that lens, uh, as a womanist or from a womanist perspective, I'm always exercising what Katie Cannon called conscientization, which is a big word for trying to discern interlocking systems of oppression, mm. right? Trying to- uh, Sexism, uh, racism, Mm -hmm. uh, classism, et cetera, et cetera. Right, mm -hmm. right. Trying to understand how it is never just one thing that we're mm -hmm. after. Right. So if we dismantle racism, it's not enough because there are sexist structures. If we dismantle right. just patriarchy, it's not enough because mm -hmm. there are class realities. If we dismantle poverty, that's still not enough, right? <laughs> because there are ways in which uh, we we destroy folks' uh, understanding of who they are in their body because of their sexual orientations, right? So these are mm. intersectional, multidimensional to say oppression is the problem. Um, oppression is the thing that ensures that we see ourselves as better than others, that we do not make opportunities for inclusion. How do we dismantle these systems and forces even as they show up in multidimensional ways? I want to, I think, Tanisha, I hope I'm pronouncing that right, Ferguson Rowan asked, and it seems is about how do we hold space for one another? It sounds like that's mm -hmm. part of it by seeing, naming these things. Um, thanks for that question. Is that, is she, I think she's on to something there. She is. I, <laughs> I, I appreciate that question because I think it gets right at uh, being in relationship with one mm -hmm. another. I, I literally just taught a class on Black theology just a, a few hours ago. 
And, and part of uh, womanist theology is also related to Black theology in many ways that is getting at our capacity to recognize, right, injustice, right, recognize ways in which there has been disenfranchisement for particular social groups uh, that keeps us from listening, that keeps us from hearing, that keeps us from being able to see and empathize with the experiences of others, right, because we uh, have been so uh, entitled and experienced so many privileges that we're unable to, again, see one another. There mm. is uh, a greeting in the Zulu tradition, Sawabona, that says, I see you, you see me. And mm. part of holding space for each other is the recognition that I see you in all of your humanity. You were made in the image of God, just as I, and I recognize, right, also the ways in which I have infringed upon your mm. freedom and flourishing to be able to fully live into the fullness mm. of your humanity. And that right. to me is recognition, which is a way that we ought to be holding space for one another. Mm. Yes, yeah, so you come with some humility um, with this kind of methodology too, recognizing your own privilege um, in this. John uh, Cleghorn, uh, who was a, a guest recently, is putting in there the Crenshaw, um, I'll just I'll show it, um, uh, definition of intersectionality, which is, is, a, is really uh, like a womanist uh, sectionality. Um, uh, so any, I think that's, that's, that's beautiful and helpful. What does it mean to lead as a womanist? And what is it that's happening at the womanist, uh, this, the Katie Geneva Cannon uh, Center for Womanist Leadership um, to help people um, think, think this way, lead this way? That is the number one question <laughs> that I love to answer. Because I've thought quite a while about uh, Dr. Cannon as the first black woman ordained in the United Presbyterian Church in 1974, who goes on to be an outstanding, amazing trailblazer. I don't need to tell you about Dr. Cannon because most of everyone should know. If you haven't- They better know. <laughs> Cannon, you need to know that name. Um, but one of the things she does is introduces the ways that Black women in particular have not been at the center of our theological and ethical constructions. And she brings this to both the guilds of theology and ethics. Um, and I thought for a long time, why was she named uh, as one of her last living testaments, the formation of a center to be uh, organized around the experiences of Black women who are one of the fastest growing populations of theological education? Right. Why was she named this center, the Center for Womanist Leadership? And I think it's so profound and prophetic because it speaks to Black women as one of the greatest leadership assets of the Black community. And I would dare argue of the church, not just okay. the Black church, but Come on. at large, right? <laughs> Um, and as a result of that, uh, Black women have also been at the same time that leadership has often not been recognized. Their gifts, talents have not been fully embraced by churches and denominational bodies. And as a result, uh, many of the Black women that we see often out front and already taken up, whether that's uh, in social, circus, social circles or organizing groups, 
you know, um, in, in the community or that is actively involved in churches or other aspects of professional communities, we often see that many of these Black women are stressed out, burned out because they have no spaces and places to recharge, to refill, mm -hmm. to uh, speak to their spirit. So the mission of the Katie Geneva Cannon Center for Womanist Leadership is to nurture the soul of Black women as they cultivate pathways to whole communities. And we think attending to their spirituality, attending to uh, the ways in which to equip and provide what uh, Black women need to form their mental, from their mind, body, soul, and spirit, um, is the way, is the way to ensure that that leadership continues, that uh, there are not only people out front, but there are people who that communities are ultimately transformed by by these women and that they're able to be a part of this journey for the long haul. So womanist leadership at its center is really about the transformation or the cultivation of whole communities. And mm. we're really uh, a center that is after that very thing to become the premier global center of womanist theory and practice where people can find us as a go-to place in order to discern, to ask these questions and ultimately to be recharged and refilled. Well, thank you for that center. We can thank Union. Thank you for your, your leadership at the center. Um, we have we will post a link um, to the Center for Womanist Leaders. You can go to the union, uh, upsim.edu, um, I think backslash CWL or something like that. Um, or search for the Center for Womanist Leadership and um, please follow what's going on there. I'm uh, so grateful for everything that you're doing. I'm wondering, um, a lot of uh, leaders in the Presbyterian Church, but also beyond, what are some things that, uh, one or two things that you would invite people to do, watch, to read, to experience, um, to be able to, to learn a little bit more? Uh, about what it means um, to be womanist or use the womanist uh, methodologies? Absolutely. One of the things, so we have a number of different programs. I should tell you, yes, if you are interested in connecting with the center, please uh, follow us on our website. Another way to get in touch with us is the Center for Womanist Leadership or so that's www.centerforwomanistleadership.org okay. or email us at cwl at upsim.edu. Part of our, our formation is that we have six primary initiatives, and that is we seek to double the W in many ways. So we're <laughs> interested in Womanist Wisdom, which is our academic and publishing, archiving, cataloging component, interested in Womanist Witness, which is our uh, quest to transform and to educate and empower emerging leaders, as well as keep connections with the community. Womanist worship, which is our connectional and faith embracing, affirming Black women's religious leadership. Womanist works, which is our kind of in, in engagement with the arts to say the arts are have wow. our function of the divine and a function of the creativity that we have to charge us and recharge us. Womanist uh, wears, which is interested in social entrepreneurship and how do we begin to uh, use or resource our projects and uh, interests through uh, various kind of ways of re 
thinking, our economic strategies and models. And then at the center is womanist wellness to think about health and well-being, right, of Black women. So we have a few programs that we do monthly. And then I have a few programs that I want folks to think about as that are coming up this summer. The first is we do every month a co-sponsor conversation with the Center for Social Justice and Reconciliation at Union Presbyterian Seminary. Every month we do a webinar for local churches, for uh, anyone who wants to join, for individuals, for communities, for seminary, unseminary, like anybody who wants to join. So the doors are wide open. The doors, the doors are, wide, are open. wide open. So it's usually the first or second Tuesday in the month uh, at seven o'clock p.m. You can follow us um, there on our website and join our newsletter, and you'll get all the information. This month coming up for Women's History Month, we'll be doing Womanist History, Womanist Hope, and we'll be joined by amazing, amazing uh, folk in Dean Emily Towns, Dr. Oh. Kelly, Dean Kelly Brown Douglas, and President Angela Sims. So these wow. are trailblazers in the field. Yes. A that's line that's of, a Trinity right there. That's a whole Trinity, a Trinity. Kelly Brown Douglas, Emily Towns. Yes. And, and who was the, and uh, President Angela Sims. Oh, and Angela yeah. Sims. Oh, yeah. yeah. She's at Colgate Rochester. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Oh, so great, they'll be great. joining us talking about that, but we have other topics that we're engaging on the question of justice, again, monthly. So you'll see eco-justice, uh, food justice, all kinds of questions. And then we re are really excited this summer, we'll be partnering with Princeton Theological Seminary to host uh, the Black Theology and Clergy, or excuse me, Black Theology and Leadership Institute. It's called BLTI um, with the Princeton Theological Seminary. We'll be co-sponsoring th nice. this year, uh, July 10th through the 15th there on Princeton's campus. It is in person and it's Theme is fire in my bones. Womanist leadership, preaching, and activists modeled or inspired by Dr. Cannon. That the call to teach is like fire in her bones. We've got the link in the in the chat. It's I can't believe we've already run out of time. There's so much more to talk about. I have a lot of other questions, <laughs> um, and but and I know others do too. But there's thankfully you've given us some places to enter in, and it sounds like a wide open um door and i love all the partnership that's happening there that, that's always been something i remember coming to a conference dr cannon uh organized called calling the order of the day and it was just like that that's where i learned about gay byron's work on uh, the ethiopian eunuch and mm -hmm. i mean it's that kind of uh, just beautiful things so i encourage everyone to to take a look and participate and find ways to engage and speaking of black theology, I want to mention just a couple of quick announcements, and I want to invite you to, to give us a blessing before we go. Um, I think just out today, uh, the Committee on Theological Education um, is announcing that uh, Frank Yamada, uh, the Executive Director of ATS, will be receiving the Award for Excellence in Theological Education, and also Gayrod Wilmore, the Reverend Dr. Gayrod Wilmore, who is very key in um, early black theology movements. Uh, unfortunately, we lost him in 2020, but he will be recognized this year. We're excited about that. Um, my next show is a little different. It's uh, Monday. We're doing it a little uh, different than Wednesday, and you'll see why. It's with the Reverend Dr. John Burgess from Pittsburgh Seminary, uh, who spent four different um, fellowship times in Russia 
Um, he will be talking about the religious dimensions to the crisis in Ukraine. And there are religious dimensions, not just political, economic. Speaking of intersectional questions. Uh, <clears throat> so he will be with us on Monday. Hope you'll join us and be on the lookout. Another special guest uh, just on the podcast is uh, uh, the Reverend Dr. Barbara Brown Taylor. Uh, we'll be talking about attentiveness um, from the farm. And this is, um, she talks about all the the time we've all been shut in and what we're having to attend to in these days. Um, but I'm so grateful for you today, Melanie, for the way you show up, for who you are, for the writing you are doing, for the partnerships that you're making, um, for uh, the charisma you bring into the room and the and the the light, I'll say the black light you bring into the room. Um, <laughs> It's just it it just uh, makes everything else uh, show up in 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 beautiful ways. Um, would you please bless us as we go? Absolutely. Thank you again for having me. It was such a pleasure to be in conversation. Let us pray. Holy wisdom, we call the names of so many who have gone before us. Reverend Dr. Katie Geneva Cannon, Praethia Hall, mm. Bell Hooks. Mm and so many more. Even in the task of the mind and the mundane, even in difficult days, difficult moments, difficult years, difficult shifts, we ask that you will help us to lean into the call to do justice and to love mercifully and to walk humbly with our God. Amen. Amen and amen. amen. And Thanks again, and everyone, blessings on you for a, a blessed Lent. Um, from dust you've come to dust may you return, and uh, return and, and join us again uh, soon. Um, peace be with you. Mm -hmm.